Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. I just want everyone to remember that this is a safe place. And we've all had bad church experiences, but I don't want anyone to be afraid to share. Mark, would you like to share your experience? I guess I will. Ever since my church experience, it's just uh, really hard for me to feel comfortable. Thanks so much for being here at church today. Before we get started, why don't you shake the hand of the person next to you and tell them good morning. Oh, come on, that wasn't that bad. I wasn't finished. Whoa. Hey, come on, brother. Bring it in. Come on. Oh, I'm not your brother, man. It's a good Sunday, right? Here we go. Oh, I can feel your beard on my face. Come here, come here. Ooh, never mind. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I don't know about the beard thing. That would kind of gross me out. Uh, if there's a, somebody else's beard stuck in my ear, I don't know. Uh, so, hey, if I've never had a chance to meet you, my name is Jason. I'm thankful for you spending spend some time today with us. And as we begin to round the corner and head home on this series called My Bad Church Experience, it seems like it's been going all summer long. But uh, if you've not been with us before or if you've never been here this summer, uh, what we try to do is come up with some topics in this big idea of bad church experience. And let's just say this, this summer, yeah, you guys have helped us out with a lot and a lot of material. So evidently, we were having some bunch of bad church experiences, and I hope and pray today is not one of them. You know, I hope and pray today is a good day, and you can walk away just being encouraged, and, and literally, it changes your life. that can affect somebody else's life. Uh, and so, Lord, I'm just asking blessings over this sermon and everything else that we're going to talk about here over the next 20, 30 minutes. And so, God, just be with me, not make someone else have a bad church experience. So, uh, pressure's on. So, uh, over the last couple years, uh, my wife... My wife and I have had our fair share of bad church experiences, um, and some, some in churches where we served, and other in, in places where we'll never go back, right? Uh, I can remember one time we were in church in South Carolina, uh, and we were on vacation, and so we decided to go to church, and this church was meeting in a school, and for us, you know, we, we just didn't ever, we grew up, we didn't go up in, in, in locations where they had church and schools, and so it was kind of awkward for me, uh, to be quite honest with you, I was more of a steeple guy, I knew what a steeple and stained glass windows looked like, but I did not know what church in a school looked like, and so I already had my bumpers up like this, I walked in like this, and the guy tried to greet me and try to love on me, and I, I, I was doing one of these numbers, I would not embrace him, he was trying to do the bro hug, the fist bump, and everything, and I was like, mm-mm, you ain't getting me, bro, and you know, I, just, I, was, I just had my bumpers up, and I just, but he was just so loving, and he was so convincing, and so finally I gave in, and I, you know, he just, he, I, I thought he was going to kiss me, but, you know, it was just those moments, and we just, we finally became friends, and, uh, but the greeters knocked it out of the park, from the parking lot all the way up, you know, they, they just knocked it out of the park, they loved on us, they, 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 they defunct the bumpers, right, uh, the music that day was so unbelievable, I mean, it was just, wow, you got, you know, you're talking about, I stand with my arms wide open, it, it was those type of experiences, the mood, I mean, it was just beautiful, um, 
They played some old hymns. They bled, they bled them into some contemporary stuff. They were just knocking it out of the park. I mean, it was spot on, right? And then the message, it was just laser piercing. It's like, how in the world did that pastor know that I was dealing with that? You know, how did he know? And I'm not even from South Carolina. How did he know? You know, did my wife say something? You know, I was really curious that morning because uh, we had just had a conversation about what that happened, you know, on the way in. And, and then my kids loved the kids' environment. I mean, they just, it was the greatest experience ever. And so, you know, when we got into the car, how's that a bad church experience, right? How's that a bad church experience? I wouldn't talk about it. I started to distract her and it's like, hey, where, where are we going to eat? You know, I just didn't want to talk about it. And, and um, you know, we started talking about everything. So then we made our way to the beach, you know, and then later on that day and maybe the next day, I just kept on pushing it back. And so finally, I knew the big subject was going to come up, right? I knew that moment was going to come up and say, because she just, she was just full of life right there in that moment. And, and she was just really just wanted to, 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 to talk about it and to just experience it and to, to have me to, to to just basically talk about it with her, and I, and I didn't want to. And, and so she finally just said, you know, that church was awesome. And I was just like, you know, and she, I was just kind of agreeing with her. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, I was trying to give all kinds of excuses, right? And then she finally says, I don't know if I can go back to anything else, Jason. Now then, you're probably like, well, what's so bad about that? Well, the problem was is, you know, what was so bad about that was as I was serving as one of the pastors where she was going to church. And so, you know, <laughs> what do you say about that? You're like, well, so I'm sorry, honey, but you got to go with me. You know, I'm dragging you to church this morning. I'm dragging the kids to church, you know. And so it's from that moment on, when, when you have a, a good or slash bad church experience, uh, you know, for us. And, and, and since then, we have been praying for God, uh, to God and with God to allow us to create that same type of experience for other people. And, and so they can lean in and hopefully walk away and say, wow, what was that? I, I want to go back. I just want to go back because that was something different. That was more Jesus-focused than, than people-focused. That was more Jesus movement than just a church movement. And, and, and I ask, I've been asking God just to do that in our movement here at Centerpoint ever since. And over the years, and what I've learned and realized in our culture is this, the best way to see families changed, the best way to see families change and engage the, the church is to get the men to own it. And, and that's what I've learned, is to get the men to rise up and to own what God's trying to do through them. And if we look at our current culture, and if we're just really honest, and we, where we call home here in central Kentucky and if we look around the landscape of all churches, not just our church, um, there, and, and I, I, hey, this, this sermon is laser focused towards men. So women, I love who you are and I can get myself in some serious trouble. Uh, and so, but the truth is you guys knock it out of the park by serving. I, I want to say thank you for what you do and how you do it. Um, but there, there's some men out here that just choose not to serve because they, they just, they just choose not to serve because it's, 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 I, I I'm too good to change a dirty diaper, right? I'm too good to, to, to get up early and go, I'm too good to do that. Or, and we just think, oh, I, I, I have more knowledge than that to go serve in that capacity. And here's women just walking in faithfully serving. And then they come home and serve, serve you and they serve others. And they just, it's just that natural, natural pattern of women serving. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's carried on into our churches. And if we look at the landscape, you'll see it. Most, most churches have about a 60 to 70% serving rate of women. And, and I don't know why. Because men, we're called out to lead. 
and you wonder why certain things happen in churches, hey, I'm just going to point the finger back at us. We got to own it. We, it's, we have to own it as men. And so when I started to look at this and, and started to understand some truth, and, and you know, it's not hard to figure out. The men are either hide in hiding, right? They're just, they don't exist. <laughs> or they have better things to do. They don't see why they need to engage or they're afraid of change. It, it's, it's one of those categories. And whatever the case may be, the truth is the truth. And, and men are not going to church. And my question today is why? Is why? Have they had a bad church experience? Or is there something more we need to look at? And as we start to look at it, we sort of just peel back some layers. As one of the guys this week put on a post on a Facebook post, we need to pull back some layers and begin to investigate it, right? Is there something more deeper or is it more personal? What is it? What's the question? And so I threw out a question, like I said, on social media this week. And to be honest, I, I didn't know what would happen. But let's just say a bunch of people responded, people from Ohio, people from Tennessee, people from Colorado, people from Florida. I had no idea how people were finding out about this, but people were texting me, uh, they were emailing me, they were calling me. I even had some people meet me face-to-face because they were concerned about this or they just, just want to talk about it. And, and, and even literally, I know found out people that were finding out about this last night. They saw a video and they're like, they, they, they're coming today and I, I I had no clue that this was such a touchy subject, right? But apparently it was. And Jesus knew, right? He knew this. And so I truly did not know what would happen when I posted that, but I did know that, hey, God's at the center because I just want to know the truth. I just want to peel back some layers and see why men hate or dislike or do not want to be engaged in the church. Because if you saw the post, and it just, it just took off. People were getting tagged left and right, and man, it was nuts. And what I've learned on social media and through emails is, is men, guys, if, if we can lean in, this is, this is the truth. And, and women, hey, from here on out, this sermon is for men. And so you can, you can choose to turn off, but I promise you one thing, I'm just asking you to just be obedient to God this morning as well. Maybe you can at least say a silent amen. Don't raise your voice. Don't raise your voice. And if you're sitting beside your husband, don't do one of these things, you know, just pray for us, right, right? So, so what I would say is, you know, what, I've, what I learned and which I, I ain't going to say I already knew because that's just, you know, arrogant, but that could get us all in trouble. Um, but what I, what I realized is this, is, is men, come on, let's just lean on, ready? Men, we struggle with pride. Oh, that was weak. Y'all need, y'all sinners, man. Come on, let's try it. Men, what we really struggle with is, is pride. There, there we go. There are some men in here. If people listen online, there's some men. They're just quiet, man. They're just, they're, you know, just, amen. It was a silent amen, too. But yeah, we deal with pride, right? We struggle with it. It's crazy, I know. I know it's crazy to think that men struggle with pride. But we struggle with it. And we also struggle with another idea of being vulnerable. We, we don't like being vulnerable in front of other people. It shows a sign of what? Yeah, it shows weakness. And when we're weak, what? We're not. Yeah, you lost your man card. Give it over. And I sit there and look at some things, and I start listening to some of these stories, and, and it sort of breaks my heart because we get sidetracked on all these other ridiculous issues, and we don't address the real issue. 
And here's these men confessing some things, and now they're texting me and just say, you know what, I can't be vulnerable in front of other men. I don't even know what that looks like. And I'm sitting there going, then you don't follow the real man. I'm like, Come, what are you, who are you following then, right? And so, and then I... And then it just got me to really realize in these, all these texts and these emails and these social media posts, you know, the, the thing that we struggle with the most, man, come on, ready? We struggle with control. If, if we lose control, we're like, ah, get over here, you know? And you're yelling at your kids and you're just trying to square them up, line them up, get them out the door, and, and you got control, right? And then you tell your wife what to do, and this is what happens. She'll smack you upside the head. I'm just being honest. That's what happens in my house. She has to get a ladder, but it's true. So, you know, <laughs> couldn't resist. But the truth is, 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 is we, we love control. We struggle with pride, and we, we do not like to be vulnerable. And when those three things are centered around who we are as a man and in life, it's very challenging to do life. The points... You know, this points to, to look in our word church and, and just to, to peel back some layers here. And, and we ask men to, to come in, and, 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 and this is what we do here. We, we ask men to come in and, and to be humble, right? We ask them to be humble, humble themselves so they can lead the way, to be vulnerable enough to, to confess what they have done or what they need to do in life. And we ask them to give up control of their time, their time, or excuse me, their time, their talent, and their tithe over to God so he can bless it. And if that's not a triple threat into your life, all right, I don't know what is. No wonder they're not here. No wonder they don't want to engage because they struggle with these three areas. And so as I look deeper into some of the posts and to hear some of your thoughts, I, I thought I would share some of them. Maybe you didn't get on Facebook and maybe you didn't get on social media, but I, I'm not making this stuff up. These are real posts, and I thought I would just share three of them with you real quick. And it says, my husband hates going to church because he thinks everyone is judging him as soon as he walks through the door. Especially when he becomes vulnerable. Men don't want to dress up. Men don't want to dress up. They, they don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to, uh, to, to be quiet for an hour, especially, or longer. They don't want to feel guilted into giving when they, when they, why go when they already know? I thought that was pretty powerful. And for men, church is intimidating. It's intimidating to be in a, in a place because it's a place where they personally are, are confronted with their problems, their weaknesses, and where they can't be the man in charge. And church is a place where emotions are very possible that spill out which is also intimidating to, for men to deal with. Now, these are just random people that I saw and, and, and picked, and, and I was just like, wow. If we all know this is an issue, how come no one's addressing it? If we all agree, how come we're not praying over this stuff? If we all can sit there and look at it, how come we're not leaning into one another and doing life so we can explore how we can move past it? See, knowing this and the truth, what I've also learned is, is men need to see a clear vision and a clear mission to engage them to help move the ball down the field, if I can use a sport analogy, right? Uh, the bottom line is we need to see what's important so we can move together. And if we could just use a math formula, right? The secret to A squared plus B squared equals what? 
Yeah, see, you learned that for a long time. Some of you don't know how to use it, but you learned it. And so we're just, if we can see it, if we can see it, we want to help be a part of it. But if we can't see it, we just sort of sit back and we put our hands in the pockets when we sing a song called, I Stand with My Arms Wide Open. We just put our hands in the pockets because you don't get the vision of the mission. And we've posted the vision and mission over every square foot of this building. It's everywhere, centering, pointing, and living. Why? Because we want to center on Christ. We want you to start pointing back to Christ in everything that you do. And then when you start to live like that, it changes everything. It changes lives that change lives. It's just that simple. That's why we call it church made simple. And so for us, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And when you humbly follow Jesus, life changes for the better. And when, and when men have a great church experience, is what I've learned, they feel like their life it, it has value here. They want to come back, and they want to bring others with them. They want to start to change the landscape because something's changed them inside. And, and, and just the opposite could be said as well. When they have a bad church experience, they go away. And they don't come back neither. You can ask them, and you can sit there and say, hey, man, you come to church tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be there. They ain't going to show up. They're out there working on the car. They're, they're getting an early start to the lake. If it's really, really bad, they actually go away to different corners of life and begin chasing other things. They go into leading their own lives, and they, they only trust what they know, which is what they can control. You see, in Matthew 16, 25, in Matthew 16, 25, and 26, you know, Jesus was on to something here when he leaned in and, and he allowed us to lean in and, and just hear what he was trying to describe to some disciples. It was a really important piece right here as he sort of just talks about life and, and what it looks like. And he said this, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Or maybe it could be read like this, maybe whoever wants to control their own life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, all corners of life, yet forfeit their own soul? Meaning they'll never find life. They'll never find, all these other corners of life, well, they might be satisfying for a moment of life, but they won't be satisfying. You'll always be searching for more. You see, Jesus was interested in your life enough and how you invested. He said, you'll lose it if you trust me. You'll lose your life, right? But you're going to gain life when you humbly follow me. And he was talking and he started to really chase after these four corners. And so I brought my, my board back up and I, I thought it would be interesting just to, to look at this in, in a way of, of just putting up these little corners here. And so I'll use this and, and just, you know, it's a little athletic soccer ball, basketball, baseball, whatever. But let's just let it represent the, the, the fields, right? The, the ball fields, the fields of life. Men desire to go to a field and play is, is huge in our life, whether, whether you're an athlete or not, you know? Uh, from those who play on digital devices, let's be honest, you know, sports fantasy's coming up, right? Uh, but, but it, or maybe it's a craft. Maybe you're really skillful at building things in your home and, and you're just really talented. Or maybe you're an artist who can play things or hobbies and, and you just love the adventurous sports. You, you get the picture of what I'm trying to describe here. This, this represents that field. We go to fields to get away and remove ourselves where we know uh, where life can, can start for us, right? Maybe it's a new challenge. And we like to compete, right? Come on, guys. We like to, what, compete. And we love to see the next challenge of where we can go, how far we can take our body. 
And so that, that one corner of this right here, board of life, represents that one. Then the next corner, you know, basically is, is something, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, it's the bedroom. Uh, men, let's just be honest, if we're going to be completely tra- transparent, we, 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 we have sexual desires, right? We have sexual desires. Let's just be completely transparent. We, we have these desires. And, and when God created man, um, he, he gave the, us the opposite sex to make us complete because we were lonely. And, and through his amazing relationship, he blessed us with women. And, and we celebrate that through the gift of marriage, and we celebrate that through the bedroom. And, and, and under his authority of what marriage looks like, the bedroom is an awesome place for man and woman. And I love the bedroom, by the way. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, and I'm telling you, there's some, some things that happen here that literally allow us to say, wow, you think you got control, but you really ain't got control. And the next thing you know, you're just blessed with little M&Ms everywhere. And sometimes more than you expected, right? But the truth is, the truth is, is God initiated this and to celebrate this and to enjoy this under his favor. And then the other corner of life is, is literally, you know, the, the boardroom. You know, to, to, to be successful, to try to, to start to move up in the ladder of success. And, and our vocation desires to become better, to manage, to have control, to, to, to have more power or prestige. And we want to create life for others and ourselves. And we want to, 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 to be recognized of our earnings all the way up and to show people that ladder of success. And so we can say, I built, I built my own success, right? Or this is what I did to, to achieve my dreams. Men, men do it often. And see, that's why we brag about, you know, on vacation, we made it to, uh, you know, the beach in nine hours flat, but, you know, it's a 10-hour drive. And we, we brag about silly things. Uh, but then, you know, we, we talk about, I could have made it an eight and a half, and my kids and my wife didn't have to go pee. You know, we say super things, right? We blame things on other people. And it's true, we do this. And we want to show the world we have what? Worth and value and we're good at something. And we, we try to build our, our success up. And this last piece is, 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 is basically this wallet, this billfold. And it sits over there in that corner. And when it, when it comes to this simple thing that runs most of it, most of our culture in, in us, uh, we chase after it as men, if we're honest. Um, what we fail to recognize is God gives us the ability to make it. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it actually says, God gives us the ability to make wealth. Look it up. If we choose to follow him. A lot of guys camp out here and are focused on their life and, and, and this one thing, it consumes our hearts and our desires to make that what? That million dollars. If I can just make that million dollars, that hundred thousand dollars, we'll be satisfied. And that's just crazy to think about because what we do is we look around we look at other men, and, and the one thing sometimes allows us to have bad church experiences because we compare and compete even down the rows. We, we run towards something that's totally wrong. We think, if I could just get where that guy is, that'll make me happy. The truth is, is he's probably not happy neither. He's chasing another dollar. And that's just crazy. But we do it because we compete and we compare. You see... In the Gospel of Mark 10, 17, it really goes in, in this idea of life, right? And what happens is, is, is 
is, is we're all searching for life in all these areas. And, and so we try to find life here in this meaningful relationship. And, and, and we chase it after. We just, if we can just find that woman, right? If we can just find that, and if she be submitted to us, and then she, she falls and everything, I'll have a successful life. And then if I can just make that million over here, it's, life is going to be good for me and my family and success. And I'm just going to have more money that I can just share. And now this is how I'll do it. This is how I'll manage my own money. And I'm going to be the best athlete there ever was in every possible thing. I'm going to be good at everything. But if you just sort of look at everything, and, you know, we just try to just position this where we want to go with life, we sort of just lose control, right? We're just rapidly chasing one of those things and we're spinning our heads around. In the Gospel of Mark 10, 17, there was a rich young ruler. And while Jesus was teaching one day, the ruler finds Jesus because he had everything, all of these things, but something was missing. So he flat out asked Jesus this question, what must I do to have life? Did you catch that? What must I do to have life? Because in, in his day and time, he had all of this and a whole lot more. But here he is coming to Jesus to ask him a simple question. What must I do to have life? And Jesus answered him this simple phrase. You know the laws and you know the commandments, the Ten Commandments. And he said, yes, sir, I've been studying them and putting them into practice for years and, and since I was a boy. And so Jesus come back, you know, he came back with this thing by elevating the bar and raising the bar just like he said, he said, so now go get rid of everything that you have and give it away to the poor. Give it away to the poor and then you'll come enjoy life. You'll enjoy it to the fullest. But here's what happened. Because of pride, because of not wanting to be vulnerable, of not being able to provide, because of everything that he had, which was a lot of wealth, it affects everything in life. And he went away sad. He walked away sad because he couldn't give over control. See, we can't fake, focus on what's more important in life because we are focusing on the things that capture our hearts. And all these four corners in life, they capture our hearts and they allow us not to understand what real life looks like in the center when we really trust the one who can give it. Man, we, can, we compare and we compete. We compare and compete with others, don't we? We really do, if we're just completely honest. We compare and we compete. We look at this and, and we just we decide we are the masters of our own worlds because we created success. That's when we wake up and realize we're kind of all alone. And there's some men in here right now that feel really alone. They, find, they fill their time with all these little small things and they're just alone. They're scared to open up and they're scared to give over control because they don't know what will happen. And we, don't, we don't need anyone else to tell us what to do. We're afraid of someone uh, leaning in and knowing our secrets, our deep secrets. Or we're afraid of letting someone come beside us because they might get ahead in life and we might not. Or we might just become vulnerable to something, right? But when that happens, we quickly shut it down because we run to these four corners where we have domain, where we have power, where we have control over life. But the reality of it is our pride is stealing what could be something amazing. Something that we can gain to the fullest, which is life. 
and we walk away sad. We walk away from church experiences going, eh, it was okay. And the woman is sitting there going, man, it was awesome. And you're like, eh, eh. We getting fried chicken or a Cracker Barrel? And it was just the most amazing moment. But we don't ever lean in. And then we wake up the next morning and we just realize how lonely we really are. We get to that point and we're just like, man, I just wish I had someone else to talk to. Most men that I come in contact are hurting. They're seeking. They want real relationships and are looking for someone that can love them. But when we choose to seek out these corners instead of meaningful relationships that can have power to change a life, that can change a life, we always walk away searching for something more. No matter what the reason in life is, it's true. And, and I, can, I can prove this. Even like football champions, NFL football champions got so many rings and everything. They, they, they get rid of everything and they say, you know what, I, I've won this, I've got millions and I do all this, and, but I'm still looking for what? The meaning to life. I, I know there's something else out there. I just want to have it. And then you start to look at, you know, even people in this room, you know, if you're 20 years, this, this, this literally goes across all ages. And this, because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in, the middle lane, in the middle lane right now, and I can, I can testify to this. When you're in the 20s, you're like, man, I'm good. I, I know everything. Come on. Some of the older guys can laugh about this, right? You know, I knew everything, right? I'm good, I, I'm good at sports, I'm good at this, and, I, and you know, you should see my desires. I, I'm, I'm going to have the best wife, and she's going to do this, and we're going to have this many kids, and I, you should see my sexual drive. I, I'm ready to go, you know, and you need, you're just, I, I, got a, I got a plan for success, and I've got my business plan, and I've got my career ahead of me, and I'm going to make a million dollars, and this is how I'm going to do it, and they, they can tell you everything about it, right? They're dreaming big. And then all of a sudden, you hit 30. You wake up. And you're just like, what happened? You already hit some disappointments in life. You've hit some of those, those major hurdles and, and they've affected who you are, like that first wife. Now you got a couple kids. You missed on that one. Like, you don't even know what, you blame her for everything. You can't blame, you know, you can't get away in life calling the blame game on everything. When are you going to own something? When are you going to own your piece of the pie? You missed that on that first million because that idea failed and it caused your bankruptcy but you sunk everything you had into it. And then you, you, you just start blaming everything on everybody. And that just started to build up walls. Well, now you're turning 40. Now you're in your midlife crisis and you're, just, you're losing hair and you don't know what to do. Your hair, you're just spinning out of control because you, you ran to all these corners of life and you found no life. But what we believe is like we're finding it because we're still chasing it, right? We still got some energy to chase it. We do even riskier things. We even leverage our house and we, we take those big, huge risks. And this is why men in their 40s usually have heart attacks because they do something stupid and they, they leverage everything. And they're like, oh, what did I do? Right? I didn't take care of my body when I was in 20s and 30s and now I'm suffering. What's going on? And then you hit 50s and 60s. And this is where I lean in to, and ask some other people because I'm not there yet. But you get to this season of life, and, and it's where Mick Jagger really says, I can't get no satisfaction, you know? So we just do what we do to live and, and how we want to live, and then we just, we know life is coming to an end, and, and we're looking for satisfaction, right? We're just looking to satisfy my life. And then as you round the corner into 70s and 80s, 
You live out the rest of those days with, with these famous words from Roddy Dangerfield, no respect. No kid's got respect for me, you know? No, no, no one has respect. And you just, you're done. You put the bumpers up and you just live life by yourself, alone. And you just wish it was different because of pride, because of vulnerability, and because of control. You chased one of these four corners and you were trying to chase life to its fullest, but you never gained it because you never let go. And when we look at a map like this, and we see this big, huge, open hole here in the middle. We take that life right off, right? We, we see this big, huge hole right here in the middle. We, we sort of look at this whole hole in this middle and just sort of look at it like, wait, something's missing. Right? It's something we can all just attest that something is missing. And then we continue to wake up and looking for meaning and we, we feel all alone and we can finally admit that something's missing. And this is where we can actually say to some men, we look at our lives and we say, there's, there's that big empty hole that could represent that old saying, he's a shell of a man. You ever heard that before? He's just a shell of a man, what, a once, what he once was. Well, he was faking life over here, or faking it down there, and he, now he's just a shell of a man. Something's missing. This is where men get accused of being soulless or non-compassionate, non-vulnerable, non-loving. Or even that old saying, he's just a dead man walking. You may even feel that weight here today. And that's why you're here, because you're searching. You're leaning in. You're wanting to know. And there's no life, I'm here to tell you, there's no life if you chase one of these corners. It just can't be. If you chase one of these corners for the remainder of your life, there will never be a, 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 a life here in the middle. It'll just be a complete void. The only way you're going to get it is you put Jesus right there in front of it. And he stays there and he, he starts to allow, you know, allow him to be the center of everything and he'll give you life to the fullest. Otherwise, it's just, you're always chasing something you'll never achieve. In the Gospel of John, and this is John, someone who walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, and laughed with Jesus, and was writing some things down one day. And, and he had, Jesus had something really powerful to say that morning. And, and you can almost sort of just lean into it and, and understand it. And, and I've used this verse quite often, but I believe this to, for us today, this, this has a lot to do with where we're at. In John 10, 10, we sort of know that a lot of people here at Centerpoint. And it basically says this, it says in 10.10, the thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a comma, and it says, I have come. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want you to hear these words. I have come, Jesus, so you can what? Have life. I have come. The reason why I came out of my area, the, the, the best place in the world, hanging out with God, hang, you know, being up here, the reason why I have come is for you sitting in seats today to have life. Men who are full of pride, control, and not being vulnerable, the reason why I've come and showed up today through the Holy Spirit is for one thing, is for you to find life and have it to the full. 
to have fullness of being able to, to compete and, and have fun and go into these fields and, and to go in the bedroom and literally have fun and to go to your boardroom and literally understand that, you know, with God at the center, man, anything is possible. And, and, and literally through the blessings of, of what he gives you because he created you to get wealth, to do things immeasurably more, to challenge you, to, to, to move you, to, to draw near towards him. He, literally, the only way all this happens is if you put him right in the center. And when that happens, it changes you. When you find out that type of life, when you find that life, it actually fills you up and it makes you whole. You see, Jesus does not want us to be a part of life. He wants to be in your life. He just is, you know, like Jesus on Sundays or Jesus, you know, have you ever heard people pray over silly things, by the way? You know, hey, God, be with us this day as we go about over here. Just bless me over here, and this will add favor to this. God, bless this, bless the boardroom. Bless. When are you going to let him be the, just a part of your life? And, hey, God, just allow us to experience you more today. Whether we fail or succeed, allow us to experience you and allow it to change someone else's life. See, he wants to be a, in your life, not just a part of it in one of these corners. He wants to be completely over it. He wants to be in the fullness of every part of your life, not just on Sundays or when, it, when it's convenient for you. He wants you at work. He wants you in the bedroom. He wants you to play. He wants you in your wallet. He wants to be with you every step of the way, and, and then you will understand the fullness of life. You will not walk away sad, I promise. You will experience life to the fullest, and it will change who you are. And so I've got a question for everybody here today, not just men, but women too is what's, what's your definition? What's your definition or description of life? What is it? What is your definition or what is your description of what life means? And Jesus says, I come to give you life. But men, why do we chase so hard after these corners? Why do we chase after life in these corners? When we choose to allow Jesus to be at the center of our life, we begin to point back to him and we live life better with him because Jesus makes life better and life is better with Jesus. It just elevates everything when we put him at the center. Women, when a man, let's just, let's lean into the women. So men, women, ears up, let's go. This could get me in trouble. But, the truth is this, women, after reading all those posts on social media, when a man puts Jesus first, is it more sexy or more appealing than anything else on the place of this planet? Uh, did you hear that, guys? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm giving you free marriage counseling right now. Come on, lean in. It might even help in the bedroom. Who knows? But let's just be honest. When you allow Jesus to have control of your life and you lose it for him and you stand with arms wide open, there's nothing more appealing to a woman than a man chasing after God. When you allow him to have control of your business, it's amazing how things multiply and run smoothly. And no matter what happens, man, fruit happens from it. Immeasurably more things can happen when you never ever begin to even dream that would happen because you put Christ at the center of your business. And when you give your heart and you allow your treasures to be open up in your wallet and you no longer have control, you just say, this is yours, use it. It's awesome how it changes everything around you because we have a heart change and we change what we care about in a way that everything else in life points back to Jesus. 
And if we're trying to find meaningful life in these corners, it's impossible. Because without Jesus at the center, there's no life. And we always walk away with bad church experiences. Because you just hear, oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. I need your time, time, time. I need your talent, talent, talent. You don't hear what it looks like to fulfill this word called life and to experience it. And honestly, I believe everything we have talked about today has to deal with, with control. It just comes down to control. We as humans struggle to give over control to someone, someone else, especially when it, when it comes to our personal business. But did you know when, when Jesus was, was walking on earth, he prays this amazing prayer in John 17, and that he prayed his specific prayer for you and me today. Jesus prays for you and for me that in this life that we may know him, we may know him and, and we will know that what life looks like. And in other words, we could sum it up by saying this today. Life is knowing Jesus and being known by him. Life is knowing Jesus and being known by him. He wants to bless our corners, right? He wants to bless our corners by knowing him first. And when we know him, life happens. However, the first part of this verse is so true in John 10.10. 10. And it's played out very well. I mean, we know it's true. John 10.10 10 basically says this at the very beginning. What? The thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, I find it very true. The father of all lies trips us up every single time. He says, you're really good at this. You need to camp out over here. This is where you're going to find life. This corner right here, this is going to allow you to experience more wealth. This over here, yeah, you need to, you need to put more time in and away from your family. You, you need to camp out here. This is what's going to get you to that next level of success. And I'm here to tell you, if you know Scripture, man, that's a lie. It's just straight up a lie. It might give you temporary life, but it's not life to the fullest. See, the lie is found in this. What I do, what I have, what I control, and when I think I have found life because I did something. That's a lie. That's a lie from the devil himself because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything that could happen. He wants to distract us. And I just want to challenge all of us. When you think about your life, what does it mean to you? Is Jesus at the center of it? Are you at the center of it? Or is he at the center of it? Are you finding more life in the corners this morning? Or do you manipulate life through one of these corners to make it look like you found life? And the man, I'm just being honest with you, that was me for a long time. I manipulated a lot of things and I acted like I knew everything. But then I found myself so broken and so hurt that I just had one thing to do, humbly find myself in a vulnerable position where I had to reach out and ask Jesus to lead the way. And when that happened, it changed my family. It changed who I was. And my wife, she adored the fact that I chased after God with everything. And I'm not saying we're perfect. We're still learning. Hey, I struggle. I'm a man. But guys, if there's one message I can give you today, I hope you take away is this. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. In other words, we are better together if we keep coming back and chasing after him. We can do this. We can lead the way. Let's together be a movement 
where pride is no longer, selfishness is no longer here, controlling powers that we think we're in control to experience life. It's no longer. We experience life when we put Jesus at the center, when we're, we're, we're selfless, right? We're, we experience humility. When, we, when we've done something wrong, we, we ask for forgiveness. I mean, that's a huge thing. We allow God to completely control everything who we are. And when we do that, it changes the atmosphere, it changes the culture, it changes your family. I don't want you to walk away. I was talking to the Center College football coach this week, and what he said is like, he was, you know, we had, a, we had an experience with uh, one of the students a couple years ago. It's like, coach, man, I, I got to share this story with you. And he goes, okay. But me and my family were sitting at the table at Guadalajara's, right out there on the bypass. I mean, it's good food, you know? Ain't nothing better than some good guadis. Family special, it's awesome. We're sitting there eating the food, and, and it was back when Micaiah was a baby. He was about one year of age. And literally, he, Micaiah was just, he was fussy, right? He's a baby, come on. He was screaming his head off, and he was just, he was kind of being disruptive with everybody there. And, and I was doing my best to can hold him and, my mom was right, sitting right there beside me. We, our family was there. And the Center College football team, there's about 20 of them. They were all over there. And one of them yelled out. Like, he just yelled it. Shut that baby up. Well, my mom, she done right out of that seat. I just put her back down. I, just, I got this. I turned around. And then I stood up. And, 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 and they, they just, they put their heads down. And I walked over, I said, who said it? Who said that? And everybody's like, I said, well, I didn't hear nothing. I said, I heard it. Everybody in the store heard it. Someone said, shut that baby up. And I said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Somebody's going to walk over here and say they're sorry. Not just sorry that they got caught, sorry that, you know, but you're going to ask for forgiveness. Otherwise, I know your coach, and everybody's going to be running suicides tomorrow. And they was like, hey, you know, you just see, oh, Christ, you see all the confusion. You just, oh, man, you can hear it. And about 20 minutes later, the football player walks over and goes, Sir, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I said, thanks for coming over and sharing that with me. I said, I forgive you. Not only that, I'm going to buy your meal. He's like, what? I'm going to buy your meal. Because it took boldness to walk over here. And I, and I just want to say thank you for doing that. So give me your ticket. So I shared that with the coach yesterday or two days ago. And he goes, that's just so funny. And he said, he's trying to figure out who it was. I said, it doesn't really matter. I said, but here's the truth of the matter. The reason why it got brought up is literally Maximus was in, you know, he broke his arm at the very beginning of the summer. And that doctor who is at UK was that football player. <laughs> he came up to me, he goes, do you remember who I am? I said, football player, center college, absolutely. He shook my hand, he goes, I thought you would. And so we're just trying to figure out who the doctor's name was, you know, and just hanging out and just cutting up. And I was quitting. He goes, Jason, man, thank you. Thank you for doing and setting that example. I said, I didn't set no example. I was just mad. Let's <laughs> be honest. I didn't even know who you were at that time. I just called a bluff and they bought it. I said, but what happened was it's true. They learned a valuable lesson. They humbled themselves with pride and walked across the room. And he said this about his football team. Since he's been there day one, the only thing that they do to get somebody on or off the team, the only rule they have is when something goes wrong, they don't walk up and say they're sorry. 
they walk up to that person and say, will you please forgive me? He said, Jason, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing when young men walk up strong football players. They walk up and they just start tearing up. And they say, ma'am, will you forgive me? I've hurt your feelings. He said, it's the greatest feeling in the world because they just bond together and they do life together. You know why that team is successful? Because not their greatest athletes in the world. Come on, they're D3. It's because they do life together. They want to succeed. They die for each other. They fight for each other. They fight for each other in the trenches and they move the ball down the field to win the game. That's why that team is successful. He goes, Jason, I've seen the best athletes though. And you can just hear him breaking, man. We're sitting there eating supper the other night. You can just hear the tension in his voice and he's breaking. Some of the best athletes, they can't do it. They get confronted with that one thing where they have to walk up and just say, man, will you forgive me? And they balk. And they walk away. And he said, the only thing I require is them to say, I forgive you. Or will you forgive me? And when that happens, they can continue to play football. But if they can't say those words, they're off the team. He said in the time that they've been a coach there, he's seen multiple and multiple players with so much pride, so much control, that they walk away sad because they never can fulfill their dream because of them. They think they got control. They don't understand this principle, what it means to do life together. They don't understand what it means to keep coming back and trying more to be humble, to be selfless, and to allow God to be at the center of everything that's good. Ladies, here's my plea to you. I know we're stubborn-headed. We're men. Come on. But the truth is we need you. I'm asking for you. We need you. We need your support and we, we need your love unconditionally. We don't need you to say more. We've heard enough. We need you to pray more. We need you to pray more. This is really hard for us men because we are men. And we are sometimes slower than you. you you're smarter. But I promise once we get it, the ball never stops. It just keeps going. And it's awesome when men do life together and start to change a culture. I want to share this quick story and I'm caught today. But I, it just came to me out of a, the media post and some things. It's, he said, I, I just wanted to experience God and I found myself coming to church. This is a woman. And it was talking about how the husband would ever come. He never would come because he's all the, the vulnerable and pride and control. So she decides to show up one day, and this was the post. And she just keeps on explaining, be bold enough to lead the way. I did. My husband thought it was ridiculous that I drove over an hour to go to church, and I wasted all that gas money. And when I first started going, I continued to go because from that day forward, I felt what I had been missing right there. I, I was missing Jesus. And I prayed for almost a year 
And one day when we were arguing about how ridiculous it was that, that I wasted gas and I drove that far for that dumb church, I lost it. And my comeback was, until you have experienced it, don't judge it or don't degrade it. So the very next week, he tried it. I know it was, I know it was so he could just justify his reasoning, but it backfired on him. He sits beside me every week now. And we aren't where we want to be in life, in our walk with Jesus. But I'm going to keep chasing and putting him at the center. And I will continue to lead the way if I need to be for right now. And I know that a time is coming that I'll be running faster just to keep up with him. Guys, we're better together when we chase God. And it changes the culture when we change inside. Over the years, what I've learned is churches change when men get right with God and experience life first with Him. And they no longer hate going, man. They can't wait for Sunday. They show up like two hours early just to sit and talk. They don't want to leave after church because they just want to experience more love. There's no rush to get out. They just want to be a part. They crave it. That's a part of community that I want to be a part. And I know we're still not there because we have pride in the room. We have men who won't be vulnerable. And we have men who are just clutching on to control and just won't give it up. What you don't realize is how much life can happen if you just lose it for the sake of Christ. Matthew 16, 25. For who wants ever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my life will find it. I'm just asking you just to try it. Before you walk away today, just lean out and trust him. See what happens. See what happens to your life this week in these corners of your life. I promise you, it'll be better. And we'll be better together if you keep coming back. Let me pray for us. Hey, Jesus, man, I, this has been a, just a, a journey together. And life is hard when we do it on our own because we find out we're alone. But man, it, it multiplies in so much more because we are so gifted in our own areas of life that when we bring it all to your table, man, you do something special with it. You complete everybody through the church and the church moves down the field changing lives one by one because we finally have experienced life and life to the fullest God today I know there's men in this room that need to just to give over that control there's men in this room that need to be vulnerable enough to, to hit the floor to find their knees in a vulnerable position of submission to drop the pride and humbly and humbly accept your life as their own. God, that's my prayer. And for the women in the room, I just pray that they continue to, to lead the way and point and to center and to live a life that's worthy of following until the men can lead the way. 
God, may we all just chase after you in a way that literally creates life and people lean in and it multiplies and it just changes the culture, it changes the atmospheres and it does something so much more than we could ever possibly fathom or imagine. God, that's my prayer. It's a big prayer, but you're a big God and I know, I know you can do some amazing things if we just get past this pride. So God, I trust you. I trust you with these people. I trust you with my life so we can experience more of you. In your name, amen. I don't know where you're at, but we're gonna sing a song and it's your time to respond. And altar's open, but I just I ask you if you just want life, man, you just get out of the way and you allow him to lead the way. <laughs>